welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Let's, uh, let's jump into some questions as they show up. But, oh, should I tell, tell them why I'm so tired? I'm tired because I'm doing now, I'm now, if those of you that follow my health woes, we are doing the ketogenic diet, which means I am substituting all sugar. In, this sounds ridiculous. No sugar and carbs. There, is, there are no sugar and carbs, and I'm replacing them with a high-fat diet, and I am ridiculously tired. Like, like just had a baby, and I'm up in the middle of the night all night tired. Um, so I am going through, like, this withdrawal of, like, sweets and stuff, and it is kicking my butt. So I'm super tired. Um, but yeah, so as we're getting, as we jump in here, look, I really love that this happens. I want to promote it and I want to encourage it as much as possible. For those of you that are in the comment section, if you see a comment and I, you know, maybe someone has a follow-up question that I didn't see, maybe you can answer it because it's like right along the lines of kind of like what your your expertise are or at least something you know about, go ahead and like shoot them uh, an answer. And I, you know, I'm not trying to be the be all end all, but I just think that this is a place where like we can do that kind of stuff. And, um, and it's exciting. And then can I talk about the podcast yet? Or should I wait to talk about that? I mean, I haven't talked about who's in it yet. No. Unless you. All right. So those of you that don't know, also we have a podcast coming out. The wife for life says I shouldn't tell you who's in it yet, but that will come out. I'm going to say next week's vlog. I'm going to tell the other two people that I'm going to put it out in next week's <laughs> vlog. And then, um, we have a meetup this Friday, May 4th in Philly at Dock Street Pub. We're going to meet from 4 p.m. until whenever. So if you don't get done school till 6 or 7 or if you're one of those people that stays till 8 o'clock, just let me know and um, we'll totally wait for you. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting people. So that's this coming Friday, uh, May 4th, and I'm super stoked about it. Um, are we ready? All right. Let's jump into it, dude. So... Megan Spear said, Reynolds, I just got my first teaching job in seventh grade, which I do this summer to get ready. Thanks for all this community. You're welcome. Uh, Megan, I would try and spend as much time in that school as you can this summer. Like maybe reach out to the people that you're going to be working with. Maybe find out what room you're going to be in. Um, some schools don't know that kind of stuff yet, but you know, it, this is in a sense, like, I don't know, I wouldn't be afraid to like use up a lot of your summer doing this stuff. I think uh, it's fun to, to, to do that. It doesn't feel like work. It's like using your time to get excited about what's going to happen in your classroom and what kind of stuff is available to you and um, who are your neighbors in your classroom. And what would be your um, number one thing to do to prep? Though? Number one thing to do to prep, I would uh-huh. say, what would you say? Let me think. I don't know. Stacey Pinter said, look up your. Stacey Pinter said what? Look up. Mm, oh, shoot. I lost it. All right. You'll, Sorry. I'm sure you'll tell me. I'm sure it was brilliant. Um, I would I would get to know some of the people in your school if you can. Like, hey, can we go out for a drink? Hey, can we get you a cup of coffee? Hey, can we like, you know, just hang out? And and I think that's going to give you a real sense of like who you're working with, where you're working. And um and to get like excited about the job. That's kind of what I would go for. And I like working on my room. So I work on room projects all summer still because it's fun and it gets me, gives me something to be really excited about when I go back to like install something or put up shelves or, you know, move a new piece in there. So that's, that's what I'm thinking of. What do you got? Um, (laughs) What's this? I could dude. I can never say that name. Um, why does your wife make you do this in the school year? <laughs> she like you'd be a guinea pig over the summer. I don't oh, make them do it. No, I am a guinea pig in the summer. This is just a new thing we're doing. And it was a bad time of year to do this. I don't know if I'd be so willing in the summer. I have too much off time in the summer. My no schedule isn't like routine or regulated in the summer as much. And so to try and do other stuff, it's just like I'd have too many snacks around me. There'd be too much food around me. I wouldn't be able to like just 
lock into my work. Cause you know, when you go to school from the first bell, it's on. Like if you didn't like the way like those pants felt when you left the house that morning or something, doesn't matter when school starts or if you were hungry, you can have been starving to death and showed up to class, the bell rings. And I feel like it just goes out the window because there's other more important things kind of going on. So um, yeah, but look, the reason for this, this change is I'm trying to reset um, kind of my taste buds and my body so that I'm not needing sugar as much. And so that sugar is like a sort of a luxury and I'm not going to eat like this for the rest of my life, but I want that to be a real indulgence and not for me to like, um, and not for to just like kick my butt all the time, which it does. Like you get those crazy insulin spikes and then you drop back down and crash. And I don't, I just don't feel like dealing with that. Um, Juan Sanchez says, hello, Mr. Reynolds. Hello, Juan. Uh, how do you balance your outside of school personality with your teaching personality? Are they the same thing to you? So I, I think other people might argue this differently. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I think I'm the same dude. I think I'm this guy most of the time, right? I think I I just have figured out ways to manage that in the classroom. So in the classroom, someone emailed me about this recently, and I still have to get back to them about it. But um, I like to try to – I don't want to role play, right? I don't want to be someone else in school and then someone else in the classroom. To me, that's too much work for me. I know friends – my friend Randy Rebuy, who just wrote a book called After the Shot Drops that you should all go and buy, um, he – is a totally different dude in school. He's one of the funniest, weirdest characters I've ever met in my life in person. In school, he does not want that side of himself to be evident. So he like completely subdued, is subdued and is super strict, no nonsense. Um, and the kids are always like, Mr. Rebuy is like straight shooting all the time. And, and he likes doing that. I don't. I think I've just found a way that I can tell jokes. I can be silly. I can walk around with robot arms on in my classroom and blow bubbles. And then I can quickly like pull them back in. And the way that I do that is I tell them like, it's all for you. Like the personality, the bubbles, the robot arms, like it, it brings, it's for me also because it lets me have fun and like, but it's really a way to like snap kids out of their everyday focus of kind of like walking around like a drone at like you know you see kids do sometimes you just like have some kind of like 30 second dance party or you're wearing robot arms or you're pulling a fake mouse down the hallway with a piece of fishing line and it snaps kids out of that sort of everyday routine um, and then lets you kind of like teach from there. I like the idea that like they don't know what's going to happen every day when they come in my classroom. Like last week we made fire with magnifying glasses because no one thought we could do it. We had a DJ come in to show the kids how to mix and scratch records. I have a street artist that's coming in from Chicago this week. Um, and so I tell them like the only way we can do that kind of fun stuff is if you're going to be cool. If you can't be cool, then you know, we're going to, it's going to have to go. And I've had classes where I haven't been able to be like as silly or as funny because of the class. And that just happens sometimes. And it's kind of part of the gig. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of how I do it. Uh, Kimberly Wallback. Hey, Kimberly, um, we are moving to a new building and merging students and faculty over the new building. We're in our new building. Building is built. Any advice? Hoo -hoo. Uh, that sounds interesting and possibly fun and terrifying at the same time. Like, what if those other teachers aren't fun? What if those other kids stink? What if they're better than your kids? I don't know. Um, I think I would just have as much fun with it as I can. I would be welcoming to people. I would be welcoming to students. I would, you know, try and create some, like, one of the things I would make sure I don't do is this year, one of the things I've I've tried to do is we have a high school and a middle school that are part of our school and they're in two different buildings and they're maybe a mile away from one another. Whenever we have meetings, all of the middle school people stay together and all of the high school people stay together. And this is a thing, right? It's like, even when in the beginning of the year, when you have like new teachers come in, you will like sit with your old friends all the time. And I just think it, 
that that is a bad move. Like, I think you should invite new people in because you don't know what kind of great stuff they're going to bring. You know, we discount people by the way that they look or the way that they act all the time. And then you find out they crush it with the kids or they have really great time or they're really smart or they're really fun. So I would, you know, make an actual decision that on those first days of school, like to go over and introduce yourself to folks. Like I've tried to do that this year with certain new teachers. I've tried to like go out for drinks. I talk about going out for drinks a lot. Um, but you know, that's, I think, I think happy hour was invite was invented by teachers anyway. (laughs) Uh, so I would make, uh, like a really purposeful choice to go and hang out with new people. Um, and just to see how they are, maybe they suck, but maybe you will meet your new best friend. Um, what do you got, dude? Uh, Mr. S does music. Uh, not to be confused with Mrs. S that does music, who's not even a real person. I invented them because I was reading it wrong last time. Uh, how do you cope with a lazy final with lazy final year students? I have a couple of kids who are so bright but lack in effort. They're so lazy. How do you energize lazy students preparing for exams and finishing projects? So, uh, final year students. So final year students. Are you saying that they're seniors? Because, man, that's a trick. Uh, You know, I think with any kids, you note the problem, right? You note the fact that this is, look, man, we're at the end of the year. I get it. It's difficult. Let's make this the best thing that we can. And how we're going to do that is, what if we even did like, like this portion of the class, I need you to actually get in there, do stuff try and then i'm going to give you this amount of time off or i watched a really great can we make a note of this do we do we not have a pen all right so we're just going to have to remind it remember it like i got a pen good thing thing we've been taking those giant nootropic pills for our brains there is um a ted talk that i watched this week and i usually watch like ted talks or something to kind of like get my mood in the right space as I'm like brushing my teeth and like fixing my hair in the morning and stuff. And I saw this, I'm going to forget the guy's name, but I'll link it below. There is a TEDx talk out of Tucson, I think. And this gentleman talks about the fact that he could never pay attention for five or 10 minutes at a time as a kid. And he did that all the way up until his junior year. And he was always a C minus student. And his teachers would always say he was bright, but he just couldn't focus. He couldn't settle down. And so this TED Talk was about how he was able to able to overcome that. And I just thought it was so fascinating. I just chalked two full lessons this week so that we could watch this and we could talk about it afterwards because I have a lot of kids with ADHD and anxiety and they're, you know, 100 miles an hour and they have a really hard time sitting still or, or, you know, not standing up or not laying down or not moving in the classroom. And I loved this approach of like, how to kind of like how he breaks it down so that you can focus. And I think, you know, maybe watching something like that and maybe showing it to your students and that really helps. I also think making your lessons as culturally relevant as possible tends to pull kids out of a funk that they normally are kind of stuck in. Right. So, um, last week, instead of just drawing posters of characters from Lord of the Flies, I had my kids make um, make clay figurines, and this is that's not really a good example of cultural relevancy, but like um, it was still something like a little bit weird. But they still had to like think about who their characters were, and they had to. They, it was a, it was fun. Like even kids that were reluctant to do it at first still really liked doing it, and they were getting mad that they couldn't like make Piggy's glasses or make Jack's staff, you know, like the right width that they wanted or something, but. You know, I'm thinking also about like the last week, I think it was last week, oh, geez, seems so long ago, uh, the new J. Cole album came out, right? And I think almost every single one of my students stayed up at night to wait for that new album to drop. And then that's all anyone did that next day. They just, everyone walked around with headphones on. I knew exactly what every single person was listening to. And so if I was in that position, I might, you know, even if you don't like the music, listen to a song, find something in it that you can teach to whether it's symbolism or 
character traits or what I don't know whatever they're you know maybe there's some kind of like historical reference in there I think that that kind of stuff really helps to engage students and then you're teaching them through that lens that wins almost every time Anna Valentine hey Anna how would you she said how would you uh, introduce figurative language, i.e. similes and metaphors to readers who are a bit behind and find abstract concepts harder to grasp than other concrete language. Uh, let's see. I'm drinking this bullet coffee, which has butter in it. <coughs> Go me. Mm. Let me think. One of the ways I like to do it, I like teaching figurative language. Um, using those little Pixar movies sometimes I'll, I'll, so the, before every Pixar movie, like actual feature film, they have these little shorts. And I think there's a ton of lessons that you can pull out of that and you can kind of bend them to your will. I also think teaching things like simile and metaphor can be done using poetry, using songs where you find something where someone says like, she was as beautiful as a flower or something like that. And then you break that down and you let the kids know that some of the stuff you already know, you just don't know that someone calls it something like you already know probably what personification is because you use it in your daily life, but no one ever broke it down in a way that said like, yeah, this is the thing you already know. Like this is super easy and you'll grasp it in no time because you already know what this is. You just didn't realize it was a term or that was a thing people were actually doing and so I think that's what I would do. I would use um, poetry. And if you look, not all of it's clean, but um, I have a playlist for the, all the poetry that I use in my class. I also have a link in my, or a playlist on my YouTube channel with all the weird, or not all of them, but a lot of the weird Friday videos that I use in my class that you could look through and see if there's ideas there. And there is, um, I mentioned this last week too, but Crash Course, that the, uh, is it, who does Crash Course? It's a YouTube channel, but they sometimes have really interesting stuff in there as well. I don't know that it's stuff you want to like show that straight video to your students, but it might give you some ideas as to how to direct that. But yeah, I love doing that stuff. Um, I think you can find a lot of resources on YouTube for those sorts of, of things too. They kind of go together. These go together? Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, reading, writing, and resistance said, hey, Reynolds, any suggestions for helping students with for with behavioral issues during high stakes uh, state testing? Wow, that's a great question. I have a group of 17 students who I am proctoring, all with social emotional issues who are expected to be silent, seated, and focused for two and a half hours during park testing. Uh, testing lasts six days. Yeah, park testing. Oh. Tell them, don't worry about park, park testing's wife, on its way out. My <laughs> wife said, don't worry, park testing's on its way out. So, geez, is that only in Jersey park testing happens? I, I, I think Or is so. that a national thing? I don't know. I think it's um, Jersey. So I, no, it's Jersey. I go with kindness over strictness with these things. I let kids know from the jump that like, look, this is, this is difficult, right? It's, it's a hard thing to do. But what I want to see is that you're doing your best. And, and I care about this, right? And then think about why why you care. Do you care? Maybe you don't care about state testing. Maybe you think park testing is the stupidest thing that was ever invented and you see absolutely zero value in it. But there is value in being able to sit down for a duration of time and do things that you don't like all the time, right? Like jobs make you do this all the time. And maybe just talking to the kids about that, maybe talking to them about, you know, if, if there is something about it that you do care about, like, you know, I want to see how much you've grown. I want to, I want people to know like that, you know, sometimes I just think like kids know what's expected of them. Like they know the room they're in, they, they're going to sit down, they're going to see all the other kids that are in there and they're going to think, oh, I'm in that room now. So this is a, exactly how I'm going to get down in here and just flip that. Say you, if you already think you know what people expect, don't give it to them. Don't be that easy of a target. Like push back, try hard, do something. And then I try and come up with like, cause you're not a lot of testing. We do keystone testing in Philly. You're not supposed to like bother kids or talk to kids and stuff like that. 
but I don't know if this is against the rules or not, but like I take like a yardstick and I tape a tissue to the end of it. And then I just like tickle kids and bother them until they wake up. Um, tickling kids is such a weird All right. So maybe saying tickling kids doesn't sound good, <laughs> but like bother, bothering them you with the tissue. Them? Yes. I annoy them with tissue on the end of a yardstick and that helps. And then maybe having like little, like conversations i'm not sure i don't want to i don't want to get you in trouble but like sometimes like just squatting down and having a little conversation like dude look i know this is hard here's what i need you to do for the next 10 minutes i need you to put in the work and then take five minutes off if that's what you need right and then put in another 10 minutes of work and have that kind of rotation and i you know i think sometimes students see you trying to help and it makes them go like okay i can do that like i can't sit here for 90 minutes and take this one test but I can sit here for 10 and look alive and then like get up and go do some jumping jacks in the hallway or something, or like some push-ups, and then like come back in or like incentivize it. Like I'll give you a cookie at lunch if you take the whole thing or whatever it is. But uh, that's just kind of what comes to mind. Um, Whatever says I have gotten, uh, I got admitted from university of Waterloo and management science program. Should I consider it? I don't know what that is. Maybe accepted into the university. So did you get accepted into the college? Um, Is it what you want to do? Is it what your parents want you to do? Is it what other people are expecting of you? Like, so what's your kind of like, if you have a second, just give me a little bit more context for that. I think if it's something that you want to do, I had someone email me this week who said, she went to college for accounting. She really does not want to do accounting now. She's extremely bored by it. But she did tutoring um, while she was in college and for, with elementary kids, and she realized that she loved it. And so now that's really what she wants to do. But her parents are adamantly against it. They paid for college. They won't pay for her to go back. She doesn't have the money to go back. Um, what's that? So she is was really struggling with this idea of like, what do you do? Like, how do I go about this? Do I just kind of like ride it out in this job until I can pay to go to college or, or what? And I, you know, my answer was like, I just think you should do, I, I think you should do like whatever is in your heart, whatever you're feeling led to do really. Like I've had enough jobs that have sucked that I figured out ways to make them fun. Like I've worked at everywhere from Taco Bell to Home Depot. I was a movie ticket ripper at the movie theater. Um, I dug holes. I did carpentry. I've worked in a wood shop and made custom furniture. Like I had all these different jobs, but teaching is like where my heart is. And I can't imagine, like, I'm almost kind of like so far away from having a job that I hated that it's hard for me to even kind of understand what, where people are coming from when they say like they hate their job or they have a dead end job or they're stuck in a cubicle or they don't like getting performance reviews. Like all of these things that folks that I know are kind of stuck in. I just, it's almost so far away from where I am that I can't, I can't connect with it anymore. Uh, I, I just, I don't know what you do when you wake up in the morning and you don't like what you're doing. Like, I just, that doesn't seem like, I I would not compromise that for almost anything unless my, God forbid, like my children really, really needed something and I wasn't making enough job money teaching and I had to get a job like that. But short of that, I, I just, no, I just think your life is way too short. And before you know it, you're going to be 41 also. And then it's real hard to kind of get started. And I've talked to those people online too. And I think it's doable but like when you have a mortgage and you have bills and you have kids and you're married, like, and then you're going to double down on like, and go to school is really difficult. So uh, say jump on it. Park is in Maryland. It was in Ohio for a year and they ditched it, but so it's not just, Jersey. so it's only in Jersey and Maryland as far as we know. Well, as well, far as I know. Yeah. yeah. And Ohio had it once. Yeah. But I mean, they'll fill it with some other kind of state test. That'll be just as useless. Air? Which I don't even know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really get down with state tests. Um, especially given the students that I teach, it's, it's not fair. And in a number of different ways, um, Chris, I'll try that one. Oh no. Hey, Chris. Too many vowels. Chris. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
the more I learn about dyslexia, I, I honestly think that I have some level of that. And if there's too many vowels in your name, I just can't pronounce it. So it's not a dis, just it doesn't work like that. Uh, as a science teacher, I try to get my students to critically read and break down complex words. Oh, that's just what I was talking about. What do you do to get lower level readers to tackle, tackle larger and more complex words? You know, I think that this is, that's a great question, Chris. And what, something I've been talking about lately, and there's going to be a whole video about this he coming out. You can call him Mr. O. Mr. O. Is that what your students call yeah. um, I think you can either just train them so that they're sight words. You can teach them some tactics where you just have them slow down, look at the word. Because, you know, a lot of times they'll be reading a book and kids will get to a certain word and they try it and then they go, oh, uh, yeah, whatever. And they skip over it. And then I'll say, no, 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 I want you to try it. And then they'll try and get their way through it. And sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. And sometimes it was just like the way their accenting was off. And so they were so close. But then there's other kids that are just not going to get those words. You know, like one of the things I was talking about last week was that one in five students has dyslexia. And I think this is so grossly overlooked. And it really is upsetting because those students, no matter what kind of like tips or tricks you're going to teach them, they're probably not going to get it right. Their brain doesn't work that way and they need to learn a different way. It's a system. But in a school system where we're not like looking out for those students, where we just kind of, because I mean, I have, I've had students in Philly that I've sent to the, like ask their parents to like contact the special ed department. And I've been told that like Philly's not required to test for dyslexia. And I don't think New Jersey is either, is it? Oh, uh, they just started. All right. So they New Jersey mandated. just started and they are mandated, but they still don't do it. Though. It's, it, it doesn't mean they're going to do it, even if you request them. So I, so what I would say to that is if there are any students that are really struggling, I would let your special ed department know and see if they can help with anything or if they have any tactics um, for the, cause they might, they'll have a better sense of like who those particular kids are. But I just, I think raising awareness about that is the best thing that we can do. Um, other than that, I think just slowing down and letting kids try, making them try so that what that's doing is building courage so that when they're reading at home or on their own, they're not just skipping over words that they don't know. They're at least trying some of these words and, and seeing if they know them. Good. <clears throat> that's you got it. Cool. All right. Uh, Meg Wiles is saying, what kind of books do you have your students read? What books do you seem to like? Uh, do they seem to like the best? I think that's a great question. So ninth grade, I'm sorry, I got a hair in my mouth. That was awkward and weird. Um, I, ninth grade reads The Odyssey, not the entire thing. And some of my low-level readers read the Odyssey graphic novel version. Then we read uh, uh, Merchant of Venice by William Shakespeare, which is not my favorite thing, but it's the only book I mandated to read. I have every, All of our high school students have to read Shakespeare. And I really prefer Romeo and Juliet. That's what I used to read with my ninth graders over Merchant of Venice, but whatever. There we read, uh, what else do we read? Lord of the Flies, Fahrenheit 451, Persepolis, and Of Mice and Men. It, it turns out the ninth graders are really liking plays more than they like just reading. And I don't think that's the same for the 10th grade overall. They do like graphic novels. I've read graphic novels like uh, Persepolis before I've read uh, V for Vendetta and they kind of feel like they're getting away with something because they're reading a graphic novel. But when you have reluctant readers, like, dude, all I care is that they read. Like, I don't even care what they're reading so much as that they're reading. So I think that helps as well. Um, and then my older guys like reading either in groups they did really well with this year and groups I found four doesn't work. It's too many people. Um, three doesn't even really work because you usually have like one kid that's just not really paying attention. I think one-on-one -on -one groups where the next person knows that they are have to be accountable and has to know where they are so they pay attention more is what I'm learning. Um, and that seemed to work great. And then my 10th grade students also like kind of getting the work and doing it independently instead of me kind of reading along or us doing it as a group because it allows them to go at a pace that's, you know, more comfortable for them. So if they read a little bit slower or if they read faster, 
they can follow the assignments and, and kind of um, get through what they can get through while they're doing it. But I, I pick books that I think are one part of the literary canon. So like Lord of the Flies is going to be mentioned for the rest of your life. Fahrenheit 451 is constantly being mentioned. And now the HBO movie or show is coming out about it. Um, and then things like I like to pick fresh new stuff also where I can, you know, like Persepolis isn't super new, but it's new enough. And my students never heard of it. And I wanted a female protagonist in my classroom or I don't have um, the only thing I'm dealing with now is I don't have enough books where like it's uh, that like my characters aren't diverse enough. Uh, most of my characters are all white dudes. So I would like to change that a little bit. And so I'm thinking that's that's kind of going through my head for next year as, as I'm thinking about what my, I want my reading list to be next year. Kimberly Wallback is saying, hey, Kim, um, what do you think of The Diary of a Wimpy Kid worth reading for third graders? You know, I, I think, so I have not, I've read bits and pieces. Here's what I know is that my students love it. And I think if your students love it, it's a hundred percent worth reading. I like reading books where it looks like uh, it's not the textbook. Like they're, like if you show up with Diary of a Wimpy Kid, your kids are going to, first of all, think you're awesome just because you're relevant and you picked something that they already heard of or know. They're also going to... Um, think they're kind of maybe getting away with something like, oh, we get to read something fun. Like it, there's this, you know, school just doesn't seem fun enough of the time. And not that it always has to be fun or that every day has to be fun, but it's just more fun when you're doing fun stuff. So I think reading Captain Underpants and reading part of it aloud, like you emphasizing it and reading it and it was funny could be really fun. That movie was really successful last summer. And so even more kids are going to be aware of what it is. I think also, uh, oh, that was Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, I'm also thinking of Captain Underpants. That was the movie that came out last summer. Is really good. Did I? Uh -huh. And uh, Ricky Ricotta, The Mighty Robot, is a really great book okay. as well. Um, along those same lines, it's funny. You know, it's written like a graphic novel or a comic book. So I think they're totally worth your time and energy. Um, my, I know my kids love them. And I even have ninth graders that are on, that are have, again, the lower reading level. I let them read those as well, because what I'm trying to do is like build up confidence and then we'll scale you up in books. But like, if you're being made to read something that you're just not capable of reading and every day is a labor, it's like, you don't go to the gym and throw 200 pounds on the, on the, bench press, right? If you can't lift a hundred, right? Cause it, all you're going to do is you're going to hate it. You're never going to be successful. So start where you, where you can do it, but there's a little bit of resistance, right? But you can get that weight up and then, you know, gradually grow from there. Uh, and I think that's a great way to do that. I'm just a great Meg Wiles is saying, I agree that plays are good in 10th grade. My teacher had us read Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, that's a very weird, interesting play. Uh, we'd go up front and read for certain characters. She had props like leaves and flower crowns and fairy wings, etc. Yeah, I think props is something I didn't get into enough this year, but I did. I did find a conch shell in a vacant house in my neighborhood, and that we'll skip that story for right now <laughs> since it's going on the internet. But I brought it into school, and whenever I pull it out. And the boys in the story are like passing around the conch. And for me to pass that around, it just adds this, like, it makes what we're reading kind of more tactile. Like you can, you see a conch, you can feel it. You know what Ralph feels like when he holds it into the air and he feels like he's in control or when Piggy's like sort of coddling or when Jack gets mad and wants to smash it on the ground. That just makes it more fun. So I think that's a great idea. Uh, what's that? Okay. So, um, what else would you say about that? Yeah, I think another way to do that with the plays is we play music behind our plays a lot of times. So I will go on to, I'll think about what's the mood today? Is it sad? Is it lonely? Is there a part where you like hear crickets or birds? And then cue that stuff up. So the beginning of Lord of the Flies, we read with jungle noises in the background. And I, and you can't do this all the time because certain kids, won't be able to pay attention to what they're reading. They'll just listen to the cricket sounds and they just sit there and they're like, wait, was that a bear? What's going on? What's that? Oh, we're reading. Oh, is it reading time right now. And so you have to like, 
you know, kind of know how to know when to do it. No one to hold them. No one to fold them. That was really had no relevancy at all. But there we go. Legend 27 is saying, are you making any content on Instagram? I love what you're doing, man. Yes, I am. Thank you very much for saying that. It's Real Rap with Reynolds on Instagram and Facebook. And I don't do Snapchat that much because it's just a whole nother thing that I have to do. So I try to do stories every day. I put out posts as often as I can. And but there, and then what else do we have going on? And then we have our website that is just not really anything on there right now because I haven't had any we time. Have one. It's not so, really functioning. Uh, yeah, that's a thing. Um, and I think, but yeah, I, I like being on multiple platforms just because I think that's interesting and I think it's fun. And, you know, it's a little bit, I have a teacher page also because I want like parents to be able to look at it, students to be able to look at it. And it's not just like family stuff or like me. You know, I just think too many teachers make bad decisions and they do like they're doing a keg stand at a party on the weekend. And then that thing shows up on Instagram. Not the best move ever. Um, we good? Yeah, I don't have any questions. All right. Uh, so listen. Um, are we, we still have 20 minutes. Why don't you ask All right. All right. So. Here's what I'm wondering about real quick. If I can ask you a question and if you could put your comments in the, in the comment section, how is your end of year going? Like, do you have any really good end of the year traditions that you do think? Do you have any traditions that you don't like that people do? Um, is there anything you get excited about any way that you get the kids excited about the end of the year? Um, do you do like, I know last year, my friend, uh, Miss May, the one fad teacher on YouTube, did a video about how she doesn't like countdowns and she, she, they, she thinks that it fills kids with a lot of like anxiety and dread for the end of the year. So what is kind of your take on that? Um, do you like, do you have, I don't know, what, prizes or trips or uh, you know, one of the things I've talked about before, if you look at like the later um videos from last year i do i all of my freshmen every year on the first day of school before they know anyone and before i know their names they all write letters to themselves and then i give them back the night of graduation so that will come up in i don't know maybe a month or so not even jeez man not even a month um where i show up at graduation and i hand those letters back to the students and they get to read something that they completely forgot about most of them and get a glimpse of like how much you grow and change in four years. Like life is, is move fast, like Ferris Bueller said. And so, you know, you've changed a lot over the last four years, but it just seems like it was just a second ago that you were starting high school. So what do we got on here? No question. Kate, the sleepy teacher has Fort Friday. That sounds, I mean, I've seen those pictures. You've texted them to me. Um, it's always a surprise when we make a huge fort and then we read in the fort, you know, I, I, again, I had a neurologist hit me up this year and said like how kids love reading in those sorts of areas because it cuts out the stimuli that's around them. It's not just the cool factor, but there's not like it's not the lights and the books and the shelves and the people around them. Like if you can have somewhere sort of like private to read, it just really helps kids out and helps them be able to focus. Anything else? Mm. I'm excited to be taking 77 juniors to see Hamilton in a couple of weeks. They are far less excited. That really, that play's so popular. How the heck are they not excited about this? Um, I would, you know, have you talked about who Alexander Hamilton is or let them listen to any of the music or even talking about the theater or like how they're capable of doing things? So I, I took way less cool. I took kids to see the Radio City Music Hall Christmas special one year in which the Rockettes performed. How do you think that went over? But having the conversation about like, there was a scene in there where they literally raise a small ice rink and these two people are ice skating on stage and then it drops below. And some of those things really caught the kids' attention. It was like, wait a minute, how in the hell did they just like, 
lower, like what were the hydraulics like? What was the stage like to make it work like that? What is Art Deco? So we talked about like Art Deco art architecture. And when you go in, Radio City Music Hall is like the epitome of Art Deco. So talking about that, talking about what movies have taken place here or the fact that the MTV Music Awards used to be performed there. The fact that like the Foo Fighters have um, performed on the marquee there before a show before. And I think sometimes like building up all that stuff and then you being really excited is cool. But like, if they're not super excited, that's fine too. Like they might just get like super surprised at something when they're there and then love it afterwards. But that sounds like a, like a super awesome trip. Uh, what are you looking at? Uh, one swim chick said, I always enjoyed doing an end of the year class evaluation. Um, Explaining to the students explaining what lab, or oh, explaining to the teacher what lab and activity you enjoyed the most. Oh, I think that's a great idea too, because it really gives you some insight, especially if you can make them anonymous if they want to be. So, like, what you know, and I think sometimes that takes putting a bunch of stuff up on your board or on a PowerPoint and saying, "Here's all the stuff we did this year." Like, my year was supposed to be me Reynolds, the greatest year ever, right? And then it just my expectations were like dashed quickly into the year when my class was like, you know, my co-teacher left and then I had to figure out what I was going to do. And then um, it, it was, everything was, was kind of, I was in the upside down world all of a sudden. But when I was looking back the other day, cause I'm thinking about the end of the year, how much we did, there was t- like tons of great stuff that happened. Like, a comic book artist came in and pan clothing came in and talked to my students. And I had a, a DJ come in and several street artists came in and we had comic some really artists. great classes and some really great projects. What's that? That comic book artist guy. Yeah. The comic book artist. Yeah, I think I said that. Oh. Again. Um, we got to go to New York city. This is a video I never even put out yet and meet with all of the guys who started something called the Brooklyn circus, which is a really, really amazing clothing store up there. And they're really their take on entrepreneurship and on community is mind blowing and very, very cool. And I got to meet with like one of my favorite artists ever, Mac Primo. We got to go up to Brooklyn and meet him and meet all the folks at the invisible dog studios up there. So all this really fun, cool, great stuff did happen. It just didn't happen the way I thought it was going to. So I think writing those things down and then letting kids reflect on them. I think kids forget how, like how awesome your year was. So that's a really great idea, uh, Swim Chick. Um, did did any was there another one? Um, Tracy Pinter. Uh, Tracy Pinter said, "Oh no, he Tracy." Just moved it. Um, oh, we are having a school carnival the last week of school. What is these Rich are school. awesome? That's awesome. <laughs> My school carnival would look like, uh, here, hold on to the end of this piece of rope, and I'm going to swing you around real quick. That will cost you a ticket. That's how we do it. That's the West Philly uh, carnival. Um, what was the end of that? So I'm going to be in the dunking booth. That is fantastic. The students are totally looking forward to this. Heck yeah, because that sounds amazing. Um, that would be fantastic. I think you're brave to be a teacher and be put in a dunk tank. Totally. Get it. I was in dunk tank one time. I think kids were trying to throw the ball at me and not at the <laughs> thing. At your head. Um, we have, here's a question. CCT is saying, have you ever experienced a principal and assistant principal leaving the school in the same year? Yep. Um, we just got word last week. One departure is a retire and the other is unexpected. Good luck next uh, I think... Yes, I have dealt with that. So last year, our principal moved up um, into the CEO position. So like he's in charge of like everything at school now. And a teacher friend of mine moved up to the principal position. Also, our what was essentially our vice principal left last year. And then we had a new guy come in. And here's what I can say about that from experience. You have no idea how that's going to affect you, right? Like, in the beginning of the year, we had a vice principal come in that had never, I don't, as far as I know, he'd never taught at a school like ours. He didn't know any of our guys. Our guys are really, really about the, the relationship. And so if you don't have a relationship with them, they're not going to listen to you. And it takes the rest of us teachers kind of like coaxing the kids and like getting, like having a lot of talks about how you should respect other people 
because they're human beings and not because you like not dissing them just because you don't know them. And I will say that, you know, the vice principal really stepped up. I think he did a really good job this year. He really grew. He put in a lot of work. He put in a lot of man hours, like getting to know kids and um, being consistent with his expectations. And I was super impressed by him this year uh, to the point where like, I want to go and talk to him about that and say, Hey man, I think you did an awesome job this year. I'm really glad you're a part of our team. So I have had that, you know, I think this also gives a chance for the teachers to really step up and kind of show the new folks that are coming in next year, the way, like, this is how we get down. This is how things go. Um, This is what we like. This is what we don't like. This is like, um, what we need as teachers and make sure, you know, I, I think there's someone once told me that people treat you the way you ch- teach them to treat you, right? So if people are going to like come at me and talk nasty, I must be sending off something that allows you to do that, right? Or if pe- people are going to, you know, think they can get away with lying to me or if they are uh, rude, like I've taught them that they can do that, that, that that's something I will tolerate. And so, I think even folks like principals and vice principals and, you know, new department chairs or whatever, you treat people how you want to be treated. And so what a great way. Like I would, you know, maybe start that year off by getting excited and welcoming them, like get some balloons and make a sign and be like, hey, we're glad you're here. Like we need someone and so glad you signed up for this. We're really looking forward to what's going on. And, you know, because you have to remember, no matter who they are, they're going to come in feeling apprehensive and anxious also because they're new and they're filling this this weird void where like the principal and the vice principal left. So what can you all do to get them excited about the year and to kind of like take some of that uh, anxiety off of them as they're getting ready for the year? Um, is that one? Mm-mm. No. Uh, and Anna Valen, 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 Valentin? Valentin. We're going to know that. Uh, <laughs> hi, Anna. Would you ever run a PD or speak at a school? I think you've mentioned this before, but you were so aligned with my district. We're title one and there just needs to be some fire plugged back in. Uh, and I would speak at any school. So you should email me about that and we can try and hook that up. So my email is realrapwiththereynolds at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy. I do. I speak at schools so often. And I would speak at schools as often as I was asked. I just think that it's, I think it's fun. I th- I like talking to people. I like talking to teachers. I like talking to students. And I just think, what's that? And you're passionate about your job. My wife is whispering in my ear. Um, I just am passionate about this, the world of, of education, because I think young people are so, so important and they're so often overlooked. And I just think that people can have a lot more fun in their jobs than they kind of think that they can. Um, so yeah, mm. here is, which did you capture it at the bottom? Um, Kate, the sleepy teacher is asking, I say that like that because she's my friend. Uh, it's hiring season. What's your one tip to stand out uh, in an interview? I think one, geez, one tip. I th- I don't know if I have one. I'm going to roll it into one, though. I think one, be confident but not cocky. Two, know about where you're going to interview. So, like, have some sense of, like, what their program is about, what books they read, how many grades they have there. And then be able to like throw those comments out there. Like, hey, I saw, I read that you guys do this. Could you tell me a little bit about this? So what you're doing there is like, you're just in essence reading the school's resume and then you're interviewing them also. And I think it makes that a more back and forth conversation than just like someone grilling you like you're being interrogated or something like that. And just as much as possible, just relax. Like know that if this is the right fit, you're not going to get the job because you were um, cause you said all the right things. They're going to read something about who you are, the way you're holding this up yourself, the way you're talking, you know? And I just think that that is often overlooked. Like it's cool. If you get this job, it's all right. You'll find another one. Um, especially if you're, you know, like, I just feel like certain t- types of schools are, you know, t- 
like Title I schools, like there's a million Title I schools that need teachers. So don't sweat it going in, but make sure that you're you're interviewing them. I would never go and teach at a school because I couldn't get a job anywhere else. That is not going to benefit the students. It's not going to benefit you. It's not going to benefit the staff. So, you know, make sure that it's a place that you really want to be at uh, for a lot of hours a day, for a lot of weeks a year, because um, it's I, I just think that that's worth it. Uh, Kayla Crozier. What's up, Kayla? Do you use Google in your classroom? Uh, if so. What's your take on it? I do use Google. Um, here's my problem, though. I get asked about tech in the classroom. And the funny thing about that is I'm speaking at the biggest educational tech conference in Chicago on uh, June, what day is that? 24th or something like that. It's called the ISTE conference, E or I-S-T-E. Me and my friend Darren are speaking there. And but I don't use a lot of technology in my classroom because I don't have access to it. So I do like Google because it allows students to like work on a PowerPoint or work on a paper or work on a project together and see in real time kind of what's happening there. It also allows me to get information without kids having to hand it in. So like when I was in high school, we always used to use the exam, the sort of like excuse of like, I can't do, I could, Oh, I'm sorry. I'll have my paper tomorrow. We ran out of ink. Um, so instead now they can just hand it in on Google and it timestamps it. I get to see when you were done. I get to see when you were working on it and it just makes it a whole lot easier. So freshmen in my school, sometimes I have access to laptops and they come in carts and different, like if too many people need them at one time, you're kind of beat and you don't have a, a cart of laptops. Sometimes those laptops don't work. Sometimes they weren't plugged in. Sometimes the whole cart wasn't plugged in. So you get it to your room and you can't even use it. Um, but the 10th graders get laptops. But then the problem there is, did they plug it in? Did they remember it? Did they, you know, screw it up by like trying to download some game that like now gave them a virus on the computer uh, and then trying to get the tech people to fix that on time. So it's really, it's something that I don't use often because I try to skirt around that issue and because I want to do stuff every day. Um, do you, so let, let me ask you another question while I'm reading these comments. Those of you that are out there, how do you feel about teacher conferences? Do you go to teacher conferences in the summer or during the year? Which teacher conferences do you? I like that this is uh, me asking you all questions now, which I really am liking. And I have a million questions I could ask. But what conferences do you go to? What do you look for in a good conference? Do you go to them because they're mandatory? Have you ever been to a conference that's been like, like the best? like you, Or something you went to that absolutely sucked and you were like, Wow, that just took moments from my life that I'll never get back. Um, because as teacher conference kind of season is coming up, I am speaking at some, I am going to others, I'm excited about some. So I'm going to one, Chris Emden is speaking at a conference in New York City on June 7th that I'm going to with some colleagues. And then the IST conference, and there's some others this summer coming up. There's uh, a there's a conference in Texas that I'm going to forget what it's called that a lot of my friends are going to that are super excited about. And what about secondary teachers, especially, I feel like there's not as many conferences for those of us in secondary ed. So like, what are you looking at? And, um, you know, because I see, you see some of them like online, but you don't see all of them. So what kind of, where do you, um, honey, you see South by Southwest, the concert is that a they should have it they could maybe have a teaching element to that that would be awesome um there was a sort of question posed out to everybody mm. it's not so while i'm waiting for those what the one from ella yeah. ella jane who i just emailed this week i think i saw a comment in here that you that you noticed that um we are ella jane said we are thinking about using microsoft 365 instead of google classroom next year anybody have experience with both and a preference. I've never heard of that before. Um, so someone is saying, Ella Jean, we use 365. This is about first year teacher, teacher life, uh, said we use 365 and it's the, and the best thing is the students can access their documents from any computer. That's awesome. Can you do that from Google too? Uh, yeah, but it's, it might be more of a to-do. Uh -huh. um, it automatically saves too, which is really good because man, and when kids don't save stuff and they close a computer, that's beat. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm trying to read through your comments real quick and I'm 
doing two things at once and so I said, suck at multitasking. What are good conferences that you Kimberly Wolbeck said? What are good conferences um, that you go to? Some who me? Yeah. Uh I think the best conference I've ever been to doesn't apply to everyone, but every year there's a international boys school conference that I went to in Vancouver a couple of years ago. And I got to meet with teachers from all over the world, from South Africa and New Zealand and uh, India and all over Europe that teach everyone taught at all boys schools like I do. And the funny, the funniest part about that was that most of those schools are super rich and we are the opposite of that. So to be able to mix it up and hear about like what kids have as resources in their school like like one guy told me um that he stopped drinking coffee and he was like oh why are you drink coffee in the afternoon i'm like dude because i'm gonna fall asleep like in the middle of my lecture if i if i do that if i don't drink coffee and he's like no i just like go for a run in the middle of the afternoon during my lunch break i run through the woods and i come back to school and i'm good man i'm like fired up and ready to go and i'm like yeah but don't you stink and like sweat when you come back from that and he says he goes, oh, no, 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 we just go to the teacher's locker room and like get a shower afterwards and stuff and bring extra clothes. I'm like, teacher, you know, I have a student's locker room in my school. Like, what am I going to go get a garden hose in the street and like squirt myself off? I can't do that. So it's that stuff is interesting to me. And just hearing like how people teach to all boys, how people teach uh, in Africa and what does your discipline look like? I, I like being informed of all that stuff. It is endlessly fascinating to me. And I got a lot of really great ideas. I met a lot of really great people. And I like having connections in other parts of the world. So as my students are traveling the world, maybe one day we go to Australia, we go to South Africa, which is my plan. And by the time these guys, these freshmen are in senior year, I want to go to South Africa, uh, you know, to be able to connect with someone and maybe like even preemptively, like connect our students on some level through a project online or something, and then go there and like meet each other would be super fun. And I think, uh, I like, I just think that that sounds like a really fun idea. Uh, Nemesis Jimenez, uh, is that your, that's a fantastic name. I'm getting married this summer and still have not mentioned that, uh, this to my current students. Is this something I should share with them? If so, how? I would say yes. I would say I think sharing things with your students is one of the best things that you can do. It really it makes you more of a human being, right? It makes kids realize that you are a human being. And so I'm going to say on Friday I had my my own children uh come in for back to school or for bring your kid to work day. And they one of the things I love about, I just put a picture on Instagram about this of my daughter with all of my boys. Um, one of the things I think that that does is it makes kids realize that you're an actual human being, that you, you, you know, you're in love with someone. You're planning things outside of school, that school's not, you know, your only thing that you do. And that is, there's so much benefit in that. Um, and if you think about it, any time you've known students that are in your class and you find out something about them, you find out about who they are, what they like, what they dislike, what they're afraid of, um, that someone died in their family, that they've been in foster care, that they are in foster care. That can make the meanest, most pain in the ass kid ever. You suddenly like your heart just opens up for them because you think, oh my gosh, how could I have been so mean when this kid is like just doing everything he can to keep his head above water and to like not just fold. And so I, I think yeah, let them get excited for you. Like, come back next year after having gotten married, and they're like asking you about. Are they, you know, especially if you change your last name? Like, if you're into that, then that's going to be a big switch, and the kids will get excited about that. I think the same thing when people are going to have babies, or people are going to move, or people are like have any kind of cool change. Uh, I th I just think that makes it more fun. You're in a community with these folks. You should share the kinds of things that community members share with one another. Uh, and you, you know, some people are going to take that too far and they're going to talk about their relationship woes or how they broke up their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. But, uh, I think keeping a level of professionality with that, I don't know, I'm not even sure if that's a real word, but it is now because I invented it. Um, it just makes, it makes life more fun and you get to share life with your students. And so that's it. Dude, this Friday, May 4th, meet up, please. 
please come if you can. I would love to meet you. It would oh, be yeah. awesome. Um, and that's it. We don't have anything else coming up right now, right? Oh, you have a video that's going to come out. Oh, I have a video that's going to come out maybe tonight if I can get it done because it's making me crazy. My computer wasn't working right. If not, it will be out tomorrow. And that's it. Oh, can you give the address of the meetup? Uh, the address of the meetup I will put in... I, I will put in the comment section. I'll pin it as the comment at the top uh, so you can see it. It's at Dock Street Pub. These are my children. All right, All right guys. We will say at the end of every single video. Peace out. Peace out, boys. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.